Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing Well. Um, we've been on a little um, hiatus from the series. Um, we did a couple of messages about Christmas. Last week we, we sort of did a New Year's message. And uh, so now we're hopping back into the series we were in just before Christmas. Um, um, this series came out of the series we'd been in for a long time in response to a question that Jesus asked, which I said is one of the best questions ever asked. Do you want to get well? Asked it to a man who was very sick. Um, but the, the depth of the question and its implications are significant because it's, it's really, you know, do you, do you want to get well? It goes down to the deeper. Are you willing to make changes in your life? Will you do things differently in order to get a different result? Do you... Do you want to keep doing it your way and sort of help, the, you know, your hope is that somehow, so God's going to intervene so you don't have to change anything, or would you rather find life by living his way and making the changes and the decisions and the things that we need to do in order to live that way? Well, um, hopefully having said yes to that question, um, we, we launched into a study called Developing Well, which is on the Beatitudes. And um, the Beatitudes are the attitudes that we should develop as um, believers in Christ as we cooperate with, with the Holy Spirit in what he wants to do in us. They're, these are the things that, that are a picture of sort of growth and maturity in the Lord. And we've said quite a bit about the Beatitudes. We've done already the first five. Um, but I, I said that the Beatitudes sort of grow on each other. They build on each other. Um, that, that there's eight Beatitudes and that each one builds on the one before it. Um, I've also said this, um, that they're often sort of contrary to what we might expect, um, that so some funny things are said there, but, but that's said because Jesus is kind of undoing a lot of mess, and he's turning everything upside down to get it the way it needs to be. So he says things, you know, like, like that look funny, like happy or the sad, and, and you know, the, the blessed are the poor, and, and, you know, in spirit, and there's some things in there that don't sound quite right, and yet make sense as you dig into them, and what they look like. And uh, I also said that even though there's eight Beatitudes, it doesn't mean that just as we get to eight, then we're done. I said, they're constantly sort of working through themselves in our lives. And that, that really we end up back at number one. The better, the more often we head at number one, probably the better we are, which is always about our, our complete and utter dependence on God um, for life. And, and that realization is, is always a healthy realization and really helps us in our, in our Christian life. So just before we went off for Christmas, um, we had been talking about hungering and thirsting for righteousness um, two weeks before, and um, we defined in that discussion righteousness as living by trying to do the next right thing. And we developed that idea by, as we looked at the Beatitudes, that um, um, there's a verse about righteousness in verse 6, and there's another one in verse 10, and in verses 7, 8, and 9, um, I believe it's a picture of what righteousness is, of what right living looks like. And it includes being merciful, being pure in heart, and peacemaking. And that these build on one another. And, and these are characteristics that should be developing in our lives. The first three Beatitudes really sort of um, make us aware of our need for God and sort of start, you know, kind of um, pulling away some of the mess in our lives. And then having some of that stripped away, then, then we, we learn in the next Beatitudes what life is supposed to look like as a believer. So we've, we have to look at our own brokenness and, and our own need that, that was brought on to us by the first three Beatitudes. And then, then seeing how much God has done for us and how much he loves us that should, in us, then 
give us a desire to live for him and and uh, and so we've started the process we talked about mercy um, and and that mercy is a compassionate response to human need and we looked at the story of the good samaritan for those of you here you remember that but today we're going to talk about becoming pure in heart pure in heart and so that's uh, that's where we're at so you're sort of caught up now quick review and now we're we're into our into our message although i like to do something before we get into the message little but this actually ties into the message, so kind of an interesting bad joke. So Christmas holiday season time, and, and at this particular office, they'd had a Christmas party. And after the party, the, 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 the boss of the party, he, he drove his secretary home because she'd had a, a one or two drinks too many. And uh, although it was you know, completely innocent and nothing happened, he decided not to mention it to his wife. And later that night, the man and his wife were driving to go out and see a movie when he saw underneath uh, the, uh, the, the passenger seat a high-heeled shoe that was kind of hidden under there. And, and so pointing to something out the window to distract his wife, she looked at that. He picks up the shoe without her seeing it, and he tosses it out the window real quick. Then, you know, a few minutes later, they arrive at the theater, and they're about to get to the car when the wife looks at him and says, Honey, have you seen my other shoe? I like that one. Because we're going to talk about integrity today. And uh, um, I just think it's that, that kind of stuff is how you get. Sometimes, you know, sometimes what we don't say gets us in trouble. And, and the guy should have just been honest. Nothing had happened. But he, you know, this, that's the kind of messes that we get ourselves in. Does anybody else ever get yourself in a mess? I think we do. So here's the scripture reading. I'm going to read to you the Beatitudes again because we haven't looked at it in a while. Matthew 5, um, verses 1 through 12. Now when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and the disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So we've been digging into the Beatitudes together. Today we're going to look at Matthew 5, 8 in particular. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So let's dig in. First point in your notes. What does it mean to be pure in heart? What does it mean to be pure in heart? Now the heart, when it's, when it's uh, talking about the Bible, it's not talking about the organ that pumps blood. Um, it's talking about the center of who you are. Um, um, what's really in your heart is, is only known by you and by God. What you are in the secret place of your heart is as important to God as what you show to the world. And, and really from the heart, from the center of who we are, from, from the depth of who we are comes all the issues of life that we deal with. First Samuel 16, 7 says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a heart. So the heart, our, our, the center of who we are, who we really are, 
is extremely important to the Lord. Now, the word that, that um, pure is translated from uh, in the Greek is the word katharos. It's the same place where we get catharsis from, which is kind of interesting, I think, because we, we need to have an, a, a catharsis in our hearts. And, and basically, the word means to be, uh, the word pure is a cleansing from dirt, from filth, and from contamination. And, and when applied to the heart, the idea is of a pure motive of single-mindedness, undivided devotion, spiritual integrity, and true righteousness. This is the idea of what it means to be pure in heart. Um, we, we can deepen the definition by, by looking at it scripturally. Um, David says this in the Psalm, Psalm 24, verse 3 to 6, of a pure heart. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. So um, David defines a pure heart in this psalm as a heart that has nothing to do with falsehood. It's truthful and free from deceit. And deceit, deception, um, it's what we do when we, when we will two things instead of one thing. Like you will to do one thing and, then, and, and at the same time you will that, that people think you're doing another. That's impurity of heart. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a single um, notion. It's, 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 there's a double thing going on. It's, it's willing two things instead of one thing. James takes this a little further in James 4.8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Um, just like in Psalm 24, there's a reference to both clean hands and a pure heart as being necessary for um, approaching God, for ascending the hill of the Lord. And, and it's interesting to note that that exhortation um, is extended, this, this correction, if you would, is extended to the double-minded. And so being double-minded is deceitful, it's deceptive. It's willing two things and not one things. So all of that is to say this, that, that purity of heart is about living lives of integrity. Um, integrity is about singleness of heart as opposed to duplicity or a divided heart. And, and uh, integrity, it's, it's living in a way, that's how I understand integrity, um, that what you say you believe in, in uh, how you're trying to live your life uh, and, 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 and then living that out as well. It's, a, it's where those two things meet. That's integrity. That you're, you're really attempting to the best that we can in a broken world, fallen planet with our own messes, our own brokenness. But our heart's desire is we want to live what we say we believe. We want to we live it out. We want to have a single focus. We, we don't want to be deceptive. We don't want to be double-minded. Um, and, and I talk about this all the time. Um, in the context of living by trying to do the next right thing. So those of you who've been here, you've heard me say that virtually every sermon I've ever preached numerous times, that that's really what it's about. That looks like integrity to me. It's living by trying to do the next right thing. I like this little story. There's a man who regularly attended church, and his son were driving down a country road, and they saw a watermelon patch a little way off the highway. And the man told his son to keep a lookout while he went to get a melon. He snuck into the patch, took a melon, and called to the boy, Is anyone coming? Look both ways. And the boy wisely responded, But Daddy, shouldn't we be looking up too? Pretty good, huh? 
That's, that's living by doing the next right thing. I read that and I reminded a, it reminded me of a story. I told it years ago. My, my children are younger. And uh, I was driving up in Miami um, on the turnpike somewhere. And um, we were going through the toll booths. And this was, this was like just at the beginning of Sun Pass. I didn't have a Sun Pass. And you had to have, you know, correct change in the certain lanes. And, and if you didn't have correct change, there was another lane or two for you to go in. Some of you can relate to this process, right? And, and we're driving on the toll booth. And I had this pet peeve about people who went in the exact toll lanes without the exact toll and, and would hold everything up. And it used to make me crazy because... I can be a little strange sometimes. I would always make sure if I went in that lane that I had it. You know what I mean? Beforehand. I'd be digging it out. If it was 75 cents, I had the three quarters in my hand. Let's go. Let's fly through this thing. Come on. Let's, and, and if someone didn't do that, I would, I would get really upset. And I remember one time being stuck behind somebody that didn't, they were, they were like looking in their back seat for change and stuff, you know, and I'm behind them. And, and I remember, um, I don't remember exactly what I said, but my daughter who was sitting next to me, she looked at me and she said, Daddy you're a pastor. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, ow, ouch. <laughs> because I, 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 I'm doing better now, but I especially didn't like being reminded of that when I was driving a lot of times. And uh, I always used to tell people that's why I don't have any Christian bumper stickers on my car because my, my driving is not fully redeemed yet. Um, but I'm way better now than I was. So this would, you know, 10 years ago, I've mellowed quite a bit. But I remember she said that thinking about um, how important it is to, um, to, to, to try and live as, as purely as we possibly can because people are watching all the time. I mean, it, it was my kids. And, and I'm like, oh, man, because I, you know, I, I don't want to be sending a double message to anybody. Um, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I, don't, I can't pretend that I'm perfect because I'm not even close. And I'm broken, and I get that. But I don't want to... I don't want to say that I'm, you know, and so you get where I'm coming from. The idea is that our heart's desire is always to live by doing the next right thing. And it's, uh, it's, it's really helpful. So, so how can we do that? And I have some ideas for you that I think are really good. Uh, and the second one is this. To really help with this process, you need to live like someone is watching. You need to live like someone is always watching. Because, in fact, someone always is. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Someone's always watching what you're doing. And I told you from when we started, the Lord's concerned about what's going on in the secret place of your heart. He sees it. So it's not about um, whether or not someone's watching. The Lord's always watching. I, I thought about this a lot. Um, I used to go to this gym here on Big Pine all the time. Um, now I mostly run and work at home, so I haven't been going. But at the gym on Big Pine, since it's not staffed, um, they have cameras all around it, webcams. And so virtually anywhere you are in that gym, you're on camera. And you, you can see it, and you can tell. And, and you know, I, I'm sure it just you know, it keeps out in the trouble and everything, but it does impact you to know that, that you can be being watched at any time, that, that if there's cameras on you, you're being watched all the time. And we live in a society now where cameras are all over the place, and if you don't know it, they're, they're, they're everywhere. But uh, I, think it's, I think it's fascinating to, to know, because, you know, what it, would, what it would keep me from doing was, like, being there all alone and, you know, posing off in the mirror for no, no apparent, you know, uh, because <laughs> I was afraid it might go viral or something, you know what I mean? And, and you shouldn't be doing that anyway, but, but you know, sometimes when you work, you can't help yourself. But, uh, 
But knowing, you know, people, and then thinking that people are sitting around laughing as you do it, and you're like, okay, never mind, I'm not going to do that. So, um, but, but it made me think of this. Have you ever had the experience where you thought you were alone only to discover that, that someone had either come in without you realizing or they'd been there all along? And all of a sudden, your first reaction is, what did I do? What did I say? Did I do or anything? Was there something? You know, was I, and because maybe we just weren't in check, see? And so, I don't think it's a bad thing to live like someone's watching. Because, and I, I ultimately think it's really very freeing. Um, it's not an invasion. It's very freeing. Because God is always watching anyway. So let's just live, you know, like who we are. Let's, let's live like who we are. And, and we don't have to pretend to be something we're on. And, and life's better when we're, we're trying to live by doing the next right thing. And with that in mind, it's the third point. We, we should try and live a life that pleases God. That should be our goal. Uh, in response to all that he's done and the movement in our lives, then really that's what this is all about. It's what, when we say yes, do you want to get, well, Lord, I want to live a life that pleases you. 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, to live lives that please God. And so to be people of integrity, that needs to be a part of what we do. Now here's, here's the thing. This type of living that I'm talking about is impossible without God's help. Um, we need to know that he's with us and that he's for us and that he loves us and that he forgives us. That when we do mess up, he'll forgive us and empower us by his spirit to do the next right thing. I know you've heard me talk about that, but you can't do this. What, what we're talking about here is not an outward thing. It's an inward thing. It needs to start coming from our hearts that our desire is that we really do want to live for God and live lives that please him. And, and, and yet when we mess up, because we will, we have to know that he loves us and forgives us. And we go running to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and beyond being sorry, we confess our sin. And to confess means ultimately to say to God, you were right and I was wrong. That's what confession means. Um, I, I'm sorry doesn't usually change it. But confessing it, you know, getting to the point where we're saying, God, I want to do it your way, not my way. Your way's right, my way's wrong, is where we start making changes in our lives. And then, and then not only he forgives us, he empowers us to go and do the next right thing. And that's what we should be doing. I read this quote. I think it's a great quote. Um, and and uh, uh, it's, um, it was about Henry Nouwen, who's a, a spiritual writer and director kind of guy. And he asked Mother Teresa for spiritual direction in his life, and this is what she told him. So it's a pretty heavy-duty spiritual guy asking Mother Teresa, you know, you know um, listen, what, what, again, what, what do I need to do for, you know, to do this thing? And she said, I loved what she said. She said, spend one hour each day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything you know is wrong. Follow this and you'll be fine. Isn't that great? You love it when people get that simple? Love Jesus and, you know, hang out with him. You should be praying and reading. We talk about it all. So do that. And then and never do anything you know is wrong. Wow. You, you think that, well, that's really simple. But, man, that's great advice. If you do that, she said, you'll be fine. Good stuff. So what's the promise on this? There's all promises on the attitudes. The, the thing is this is, is that we get to see God. And so what is it to see God? Point number four. What is it to see God? And, and what this means is, is that we have literal, we have access to the literal presence of God. We have it now and we'll have it forever. 
And, and although we can't see him face to face now, one day we will. But we can know him now. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, because of what Jesus has done, he's, he's sprinkled us and, and he's cleansed us, if you would, um, so that we have access to a perfect holy God, even though we're still in process, because he sees us in Christ. Um, our great priest, Jesus, has made this access possible so that, so that we can know him. John 1, 14 through 18, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him and cries out, this was he of whom I've said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. See, we, 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 we see him now um, in, in the context that we have access to his presence. And, and that, that we, can, we can know him. Um, one day we will see him face to face, but now um, we have this access to him so that we can know him in the process. And as we live our lives for Jesus in response to this amazing love that he's shown us, um, we, we, we know him in a very real way now, and, and you know, we'll see him one day soon in, in the future. And I think that realization helps us to keep pressing in and pressing on uh, with Jesus and and to live a life with him as our singular focus, not as double-minded people, but as, as people who, who really earnestly are trying to live by doing the next right thing. That's, that's this beatitude that's built on mercy and it's built on knowing our brokenness and then moving in in this process towards God. But, but you know, that's our heart's desire is, is a, is a single-minded devotion of the Lord and living for him. And even though we're not there yet, because of what he's done for us in the process, we already have access to God in, in an amazing way. And we can grow closer and closer to him. And as we grow closer to him, he helps us in our desire to live a, a more pure life. And so he's, he's, he's with us in this whole process. And so my encouragement is, you know, just keep pressing in. Um, be as honest as you can. You know, don't, don't, don't fake it. You don't need to pretend. We need to live before him with, as people of integrity by trying to do the next right thing. When we mess up, we've got Jesus interceding for us. He gets us, and we ask forgiveness, and he gives it. We confess our sin. God, you were right. I was wrong. And, and he meets us there and then helps us and empowers us on the journey. So that's what it is to be pure in heart, and so be thinking about that. And uh, if you missed any of the other ones on the Beatitudes, you may want to catch up. Um, by going to the website or something over the next few weeks. But uh, that's enough for today. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you for spending time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it. If you need prayer, go to the website, find the prayer page. You send us a prayer request. We'll be praying for you. If you're ever in Big Pine, come and visit us. We'd love to see you.